Hey guys, welcome back to another great episode of Brick City Blockade Podcast Network, talking far, far away. And on this very special episode, sitting across from me is Mr. Cameron Day. Cameron, how's it going this evening? It's going good. How about you, Robin? Not too bad. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. It's exciting. When it comes to Star Wars, is there a specific movie that you really like to reflect on or go back to when it comes to the Star Wars universe? Well, when I was younger, um, I think it was Empire Strikes Back for me because I think that was like, I think for a five to eight year old, it was kind of scary. And Mm. that was sort of like the first scary movie to me as a kid. Because I can remember when there's the big reveal, as a kid, I was shocked. And I was (laughs) utterly traumatized, I think, for about a week. And I would just go to my parents and be like, what does this mean? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. And I'd hide behind the couch and it was terrifying. Um, but I think now the movie that I have to, that I think I like the most, I think is Rogue One. Because mm. for me, grew up loving the other movies. But then when I got to a certain point, I was like, okay, what happens between everything? Mm-hmm. And obviously with Rebels now, that sort of answers a lot of questions. But with Rogue One, it felt... I mean, obviously Star Wars is hard to connect with on a real level, but with that movie, it was a lot easier to connect with the characters and understand everything because it's kind of an environment that we've kind of grown up with. Like us kids, especially my generation growing up with like Iraq and everything in the background and always Mm -hmm. hearing that on the radio and in the news, it was kind of easy to see that comparison with Rogue One of the rebellion and the fight against the empire, sort of like a strange contrast. And I think that's sort of like nowadays that's the movie that I think resonates the most. with. I totally agree with you. There's just so much comparison to modern day history. Of course, you have that generation. I think a very similar generation as me where we kind of lived in that time and we kind of reflected on Rogue One, the grittiness, the darkness, you know, with that time period. And I think for a lot of modern Star Wars fans, those who are now getting into it, of course, you and I, I can totally agree with you when it comes to Empire Strikes Back. That reveal was bone shaking as a young, young kid. But I think there's just so much that we can reflect on when it comes to that. And it's when it specifically comes to Star Wars characters, Cameron, I know we all have our favorites in -hmm. terms of the Star Wars universe and one specific character. I've heard people come on and they'd say Han Solo and some of these other characters. Is there one that really you reflect yourself upon? Like you see yourself as that character sometimes? I mean, I always grew up loving Chewbacca just because I've got a, a very loud sort of uncaring side that I just do whatever the hell I want. But, um, (laughs) When I got older and I discovered the Expanded Universe, I really started reading the books. Um, I really started to empathize with Kyle Katarn, and because mm-hmm. he's he had that whole persona of like he wanted to know more, and he and sometimes he'd push the envelope and he would go a little bit far. Sometimes he'd screw up, and I have I've had a lot of moments in my life like that. So I really empathize with him and sort of fighting against like Luke's establishment. Of, okay, this is how we're going to teach everyone. But he's like, no, I want to learn more. I want to go further and sort of his struggles and fallbacks and setbacks with that. But he was the character that I really empathized with the most, I think. That's awesome. You know, Kyle Katan, I know we talk about it all the time here. I'm talking far, far away is the expanded universe. And of course we're a star Wars canon show. So we love to talk about the expanded universe and some of those legends novels at the same time. Let me ask you, I'm a big grand Admiral Thrawn person. Scott Inch, oh. who's also on this show is a big grand Admiral Thrawn person. Where are you when it comes to the Thrawn man himself? Can you smell what Thrawn is? <laughs> I remember when I started reading it, I've actually got the, I had a ton of books that I got rid of just because I didn't have enough book space, but I kept the original uh, trilogy from Timothy Zahn. Mm-hmm. And 
reading those books at like 12 or 13. I can remember being scared of Vader as a little kid, but then reading that Thrawn was both awe-inspiring and terrifying because mm-hmm. you had this guy who knew so much and had that destructive power, but on the outside just had this appearance of the calm, controlled bureaucrat. But was like, if he looked at you and thought the right way, you would probably explode because he knew the exact way how to kill you. (laughs) And it was, he was such a good character. And then I was, when Force Awakens came out, I was really upset because I was like, okay, it's another Star Wars movie, but they're not using these books that I love so much. And then when they announced that Thrawn was going to be in Rebels, I was so happy. I was so happy because he's such a good character. And he's, he was, a lot of great characters in East Bay Universe are kind of wasted. Because right. now, it no longer is like, Marin no longer exists. And she is literally one of my favorite characters of all time. And all of the, like, Jason and Jaina and Anakin, just so many of the characters aren't used. But when they announced the throne was going to be in Rebels, I was like, yes, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, he's a very, very special character. And I think as Star Wars Rebels fans, obviously you were one. It was just such a nice way of bringing him into the canon. I never thought it was going to happen right away. I never even thought that the day would come when Grand Admiral Thrawn was going to be brought back into canon. However, I think with Disney taking over Star Wars, we talk about it all the time here on the Podcast Network, and a lot of our fans come on and talk about it, that when Disney bought this, and Dave Filoni, of course, the mind behind Clone Wars, the ma- mm-hmm. the master alongside Pablo Hidalgo of, of kind of working in those Legends characters at times, mm-hmm. that was the right time to do it. And I think fans were really, really excited about it. Now, seeing him on TV, of course was a great thing. Would you like to see Grand Admiral Thrawn in a film at some point or even like a small series of some sort? I would want to see that. Um, I've definitely seen like all the stuff of people definitely want Hugo Weaving to play him. I could definitely agree with it, but I think he would be sort of the perfect casting for that kind of role. Um, I would definitely want to see him live action at some point because he is one of those characters like Mara and the Solo Kids that I think really should have been brought from the Legends and put into the live action films. And he's he has that gravitas as a character that could really show on screen because like with the First Order, you've got obviously Kylo and Hux and all of those guys and that very almost Nazi-like motif of the very extremist, very darker side. But with Thrawn, he runs the Empire very well and it's very fluid under his control. And I think if you brought that character in, maybe in like one of the episodes 25 or whatever, if you go that far, <laughs> if you brought him in is with like the resurgence of the Empire, I think it'd be really cool. But I think he'd be a great character to bring into a film. I really think he would. Yeah, there's so much development. I think, you know, obviously the Thrawn book, a lot of our listeners have read the book, the new, the latest one, and we've talked about it here on Talking Far, Far Away, Scott and I. You know, that book itself also propelled his character forward, but I think there's a lot we're going to learn in Rebels this season, of course, it being the last season. I think that, you know, and, and let me let me pose this to you, Cam, of course. I love these offbeat conversations because we don't know where they're going to go. We don't know what direction it's going to head in. But I know as Star Wars fans here, this can be sometimes a sensitive thing. And Scott and I recently talked about it, is that bringing Grand Admiral Thrawn and some of these Legends characters into canon can sometimes be a dangerous thing because obviously going into season four, I just mentioned it, you know, they bring him in season three. They talked about bringing him in sooner than that at one point. 
I mean, it's such a fine line if they're going to kill him off. I would hate to see them kill off Grand Admiral Thrawn in season four because I think they'd be kind of short-leashing him a little bit unless they're going to tell a story later on. What do you think about that? I mean, it is definitely that dangerous line. It's like with comic book movies, which characters they're going to bring in and that kind of thing. I think with, with Thrawn in particular, it would definitely be really annoying as a kind of frustrating if they did do that and i could definitely obviously you appreciate legends as well and i think if they did that it we can hope that they know the fan base enough that they wouldn't but i think if they did that then that would probably create quite a stir and then with the other characters bringing them into film or tv that's definitely that would be hard as well because you have people who sort of i mean i know a couple of people who sort of like have ignored force awakens and last jedi and they're like no Legends is my canon, that is mine. Mm-hmm. And while well, we're pretty passionate about it, and I know from experience if something to those characters happened that was not in their eyes, that would not only hurt them as fans, but also as people because they've grown up with these characters that they, at least in their minds, are so real that if something would happen to them in a movie or something, it would just wreck a huge portion of their entire being. I mean, that's a little, probably a little, a little far, but I mean, I, I, think you, I think you get what I mean. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've grown up with these characters. We've learned to appreciate them. You and I have sat down. We've read the novels. We know how much these characters mean to us. And we say it here all the time on the podcast network, in Filoni we trust, in Lucasfilm we trust, in Star Wars we trust to do the right thing for the fans. Mm -hmm. No, it's such a fine line. Again, it's such a fine line with some of these characters and just making sure that they're done the right way and just mm-hmm. to give our trust into the system. Cameron, one of the things I would love to talk to you about here is you have an upcoming event uh, in northern New Hampshire, and we're really excited about it. Of course, we couldn't make it this year. However, we are in the books for the next time around. It's a little thing called RaptorCon. Can you give the fans a little bit more background on what this is? So uh, last year in my senior year of high school, um, I got voted in as school president, and every uh, year we have to – have to try and fundraise enough money for the next year because as being a small school and small neighborhood we don't really have a huge amount of interior funding from the school mm-hmm. and unfortunately with the group i was elected in with all of them wanted their friend to become president um obviously i beat them and they weren't very pleased with that there you go so so by the first week they're always already trying to impeach me um <laughs> which was rather entertaining i must say so it got to around um, December and almost Christmas break, and we hadn't really done anything. We'd had a little like Christmas assembly where we would raffle off gifts and our teachers would play music and that kind of thing, but we hadn't really done anything big. And all of a sudden, one day I'm at home scrolling through Facebook, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be going to Montreal Comic Con this uh, summer. Hey, why don't we do a con of our own at the high school? So I brought that in, and they were like, no, that's stupid. We're never going to get enough people. It's a dumb idea. I was like okay, well, screw you guys. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so I went home and over Christmas break, I called up all the vendors, a bunch of artists, and um, they're like, oh, yeah, sure. So <laughs> I get back from break, and I have a booklet about 15 pages thick, and I plop copies of it down in front of everyone in the government. I'm like, okay, so we're doing this. We're doing it on this day at this time. All of you guys have to be there to help. And <laughs> my cabinet is just giving me the dirtiest look. Just all glaring at me over the table. And um, luckily, I had the complete and total support of um, the entire faculty because they thought it was a great idea. And actually, our advisor for the student government, um, Dean Students, Michael Galley, he was on board at least 200%. 
and he wow. helped us do it. And um, when we got there, it was about 60-some-odd people, which I think was pretty decent for our first year. Oh, yeah. And we raised about $500, $600. And, you know, we did it. And a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, we want to come back next year. And so I was like, okay. So I was at I was off at uh, college at Franklin Pierce. And so my brother, Caleb, took over. Um, and then he had to go away for two weeks as he went to the Southwest for a field trip. And I hopped back on and helped it out. And this year we're expecting we got a lot more artists. We have a ton more vendors. There's a lot more events going on. Um, so we're really excited and we really want to try and get a lot of people to come. I love it. Uh, you know, this is exactly what we talk about here at the network. And of course, I, I mean, it's it's such a great thing that if you want to start up a Comic-Con and you want to get the interest out there, it starts with just an idea. And it, and it starts with a passion. And Cameron, I have to say this about you, is that you really know how to put an effort into something and a 100% effort. We've been to a lot of Comic-Cons here at the Podcast Network where there is just the interest in the money. There's just the interest in just getting the big names there. But the mm -hmm. true focus on a Comic-Con is for the fans, by the fans, keeping it local and keeping it affordable, and also the community aspect as well. And I think that's what RaptorCon is doing. And I have to really say bravo to you, Cameron, because well, I mean, it, it's, it's the way it should be. I, I've talked with Tom Lord, of course, who runs White Mountain Comic Con. And he, he sent me right over to you, and he said, this kid knows what he's doing up there because he's really keeping that community aspect. So, again, bravo to you. And please, guys, make sure to check out RaptorCon on Facebook. It's coming up. I believe it's right around the corner, if I'm yep. correct. May 20th from 10 to 3 up at Rivendell Academy in Orford, New Hampshire. This is a little part of the show. I don't know if you listen to us, but it's a little thing we like to call plug time. Well, we're on Facebook at uh, RaptorCon, and our website is www.raptorcon.weebly.com. And we'd really love to have you guys come. It would really mean a lot. Um, it's only our second year, and I really want to try and make it an annual thing just because I really think that New England and New Hampshire and Vermont especially, and even Maine, are lacking in the convention scene. Mm. I mean, the closest con we have is now Tom's, and then Vermont Comic Con, um, Granite Con in Concord, and um, then Boston Comic Con. And especially in our area, the neck of the woods, there's a lot of kids that don't have a ton of money that really would want to go to these big things, but they just don't have the funds, they don't have the time. And if we can make RaptorCon big, if you guys come and you help us and you come in and you pay and you take part of these events and you help these artists out, we want to try and keep this going so we can give back to the community and give back to these kids who want to go out and do these kind of things but just don't have the time or money. And that's one of the things RaptorCon's really about is we want to help people in the community. And so if you guys come, that's going to help us further that endeavor of making sure that we can keep RaptorCon alive and that we can make kids' lives better and adults who want to come and really try and bring out that, that whole concept of community and family that cons really have and keep it alive in this little neck of the Northeast Kingdom. <laughs> beautifully, beautifully said. I uh, Wow. I am blown away, Cameron. So you guys can also follow me over on Twitter at MrVoteTweets. Make sure to head on over to Instagram. Follow me at the official vote. Make sure to subscribe to the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network on iTunes for great conversations like these. And please make sure to head on over to BrickCityBlockade.com for more information on RaptorCon and everything happening in a galaxy far, far away. Thank you so much for coming on, Cameron. Such a great conversation. 
Yeah, no problem. It was great coming on. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into Talking Far, Far Away, our special episode with Cameron Day of RaptorCon. Make sure to check out everything they're doing on Facebook. Make sure you attend May 20th once again. And as we say here on the Podcast Network, may the force be with you always.